Hi everyone and welcome to episode 8 of the University of Greenwich Sustainability Podcast. If this is your first time listening, this is a podcast to discuss sustainability at the University of Greenwich and our wider lives. Hopefully with these short podcasts we can provide a good starting point for you guys to delve into sustainability topics and hopefully engage with the wider sustainability team or eco team projects. So today I'm joined by Charlie. Me and Charlie met at a Greenpeace meeting. Charlie, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes. Hi. Hi, Ryan. Um, so, yeah, I'm Charlie. Uh, I live in South East London, which is where I guess my most recent project is. But I have three different sustainable projects on the go, um, although I've got to promise myself no more. Um, but yeah, so I am the founder of Earthly and my Eco Order, but also created uh, Project Broadway. Uh, which will hopefully be um, the making of the UK's most sustainable street. Awesome. And Charlie, did you bring a fun fact today? I did. I did. I brought a fun fact, uh, not a sad, depressing one. (laughs) So um, I read the other day, actually, uh, a research piece by a scientist called Joseph Paul, who found that if every family in the UK swapped just one red meat meal a week for a plant-based meal the environmental impact would be the same as taking off 16 million cars from the road that's crazy (laughs) thanks charlie so the focus of today's episode will be around sort of the project charlie's been doing and how they relate to some of the university of greenwich initiatives so charlie could you start off by describing what you're doing at the minute in terms of earthly and my eco order I guess in brief, Earthly is on hold at the moment, sadly, due to COVID. Um, But my eco order is very much taking up all my time. In fact, I actually started my eco order during uh, COVID just because I felt stuck, like I wasn't able to do any of my other projects. So I just needed to try and look at other ways where I could be Um, improving the local environment and this my eco order actually grew organically so I was providing through earthly businesses uh, sustainable products be it cleaning products or stationery and as part of the earthly consulting but um, I I started selling those products to my local community Um, just especially because it was so hard at the beginning for people to get hold of cleaning products and soaps and stuff. So I started selling all of my refills to the local community and it kind of, my eco order kind of grew from there. So I actually ended up joining up with Lee Greens, which is a Southeast London organic veg supplier. It's like a community led business. And um, I started delivering their veggies and then grew from that and now you can actually do add-ons so with your weekly veg you can get basic household supplies as well so you could have plot coffee brought to your door with your veggies which is um, a sustainable or as sustainable as coffee can get um, option they're also based in southeast london and I picked them as one of my suppliers because they have a transparent uh, supply chain. So they're really cool. You can, with every bag, if you wanted to get in touch with Plot, you could do, and they'll let you know. 
who was the farmer? When was it farmed? What farm did this coffee come from? And they also make sure that all of their practices are sustainable or as sustainable as they can be. So they um, have found this roaster, which is it the has the lowest emissions of any other roaster, basically. So and I will go there and collect the coffee. So it's on my bike. So we're trying to find all these different ways to reduce the carbon footprint of uh, my customers. And now the aim has kind of grown so that we're helping households reduce their carbon footprint, but also organizing community events and litter picks and things to get the community back involved with our local environment, as well as checking their carbon footprint. And from that and a few successful events we've had, um, we're now opening up a shop uh, as kind of the hub. So it'll be My Eco Broccoli, um, and it'll be a hub for people to go and get refills, buy our products, but we'll also be doing talks when or how that will work within COVID. We'll have to figure out as we go. But it's, um, yeah, just to have a hub for people to get together and highlight any issues in the area. Like there's one thing that I'm kind of trying to tackle at the moment is get recycling bins in all of our parks in Broccoli. So it will be a hub for that, but as well as somewhere for you to go and get refills and cut down on your environmental impact from your household. And we met through another one of your projects uh, you mentioned earlier, Project Broadway. Could you describe this project? How did you develop the idea and identify the aims and how did you get it started? Uh, Project Broadway, again, I think like everything I do, I just start something and it just grows organically. Um, So I was working with the Dove Pub on Broadway Market um, and we were just going to look into their carbon footprint and their waste and um, just do an earthly carbon accounting, which is and we were looking at the pub and we were thinking well if we do this we could create a free guide for any other pub to follow what we've done um, just to make sustainability a bit more accessible for smaller companies that don't have the time or the budget basically and we kind of were chatting and I thought well wouldn't it be interesting if we get a few businesses on board on this street so we literally had the conversation I got up and left the pub and popped across the road and got chatting to fabrications uh, and they were they were on board and then so I just started going door to door and chatting to the businesses and I'd probably say at that point maybe about 50% of the companies were on board and then some I had to go away and actually think this idea through <laughs> instead of just knee-jerk reaction and then by the end of it we probably have about 80-90% of the businesses on Broadway Market who have um, agreed to take part and work together in improving their sustainability. So the aim is to half the waste going into landfill in year one and reduce the carbon footprint of each individual business. We can't do a measure yet of how much we want to do the reduction of the carbon footprint because we were working in line with the idea of like carbon zero by 2030 but with Covid and delays and we can't we can't really put a figure on how much we'll reduce it by each year and by when, just because we don't know when the street's going to be up and running again normally. 
Um, but yeah, so that was the plan. And then I got chatting to the council because I had to get some permissions from them. They were so on board. Like Hackney Council, I think, are amazing. If every council operated like Hackney, would be on the right track. Um, and they were like, well, why don't you work with the market? And we can implement this in the market and we can try. And they were on board to try and eradicate like single use coffee cups, which don't need to be a thing on that market. Um, when someone buys a coffee, say, at one end from Clipsom's, that coffee's not leaving the street. That coffee cup's just going from that coffee shop. They're walking slowly across a few stalls and then it's, you know, making its way into the bin. So it was all these things. So the council got on board, the market got on board, and then we started looking at the local area so the canal and then the rivers and canal trust agreed for me to fit a bubble barrier into the canal to collect the plastic pollution and stop it traveling further and entering the thames and um the main idea for that because once you once you start thinking about these things and once you get going you find all these other issues but you're also finding solutions and it just these things just roll so um, yeah, I found these bubble barriers, and so it was like, brilliant, we'll get that put in into Regent's Canal, and then it's looking at, well, how much plastic is in our rivers? And so the Thames, on average, each litre of water will have 84.1 pieces of microplastics in it. Um, the River Tame in Manchester has a 1,000 microplastics per litre, so it's like... If we start building all of this infrastructure that we've already got, we can act now. And so that's the idea of Project Broadway is it grew naturally and we kept finding more problems as we were going. But what's nice is that we've got most of the technology that we need already and we've got the solutions they just need implementing. And that's what I feel the government isn't doing. They're taking they're acting too slowly. The council's working and the community are working towards it. The community fighting back and taking charge of their area and the idea is to create a blueprint so a hairdresser can go and follow a free guide on how to be more sustainable. A council could go on and see what Hackney are doing or anybody to become more sustainable. Nice, yeah, there were loads of cool stuff just from the few times that I came to help out. There were loads of yeah. um, seems a really dynamic project. So as you described one of the um, aims of Project Broadway, you mentioned sort of coffee cups, is reducing the litter in the market. Yeah. So the University of Greenwich has, a num- has held a number of staff and student litter picks over the past couple of years. The Hedgehog Friendly Campus initiative should ensure that this continues. But a number of student societies have done a great job organising them too. An SU litter pick filled up a glass coffee jar of cigarette butts within 45 minutes outside Stockwell Street. I know you've organised some litter picks in the local area. Could you describe some of the effects of litter and the impact of local initiatives in tackling the issue? Yeah, so, I mean, the cigarette butts is just, like, they're everywhere at the moment. It's cigarette butts and, like, bottle, those metal bottle lids. But I completely agree. I actually think cigarette butts is one of the number one bits of um, waste found on our shores so yeah I'm not surprised that they were able to fill a whole jar in like 45 minutes um, when we, we've organized our litter picks so we did I've organized quite a few 
along Regent's Canal. You have different wastes in different locations. So it's like if there's loads of food places, then you're going to find lots of polystyrene um, containers everywhere, which should they should be banned. I don't know, even know why they're allowed to be uh, produced and sold because that's just microplastics waiting to enter our waterways. Mm. I've also noticed at the moment it's COVID waste and um, that's that's been a real big issue and that was one of the main motivations for organising my most recent litter pick was because one, we've got the waste in the parks from everybody picnicking and not taking their litter home with them but it's also all of these masks and these latex gloves that are ending up everywhere and they've already entered our waterways. I was watching in the news um, the other day that these shores, I can't remember where it was, but there were these divers, I think off the coast of France somewhere, and there were just masks and gloves everywhere. And these are going to take about 450 years to break down. It's just the biggest issue at the moment and the number one problem in the area is covid waste and cigarette butts and bottle caps but yeah we mentioned a bit about covid waste sort of at the beginning of the lockdown in um i think it's one of our first episodes of the podcast and sort of how in wuhan the amount of sort of medical waste and the amount of um masks that had sort of been produced so it's really interesting to see that it's sort of a delayed effect has happened here it's now become a sort of massive issue because i definitely see masks on the floor and yeah uh, I don't know I find it really annoying as well is because we're just creating more problems we shouldn't solve a problem by making other problems problem so you mentioned um sort of polystyrene it's those clamshells isn't it um and I can imagine in the market that single-use plastics can also be a massive issue Mm. Um, and they're a widely discussed topic sort of whenever you hear about the environment on the news. Um, July is plastic free month and I know you've been sharing a lot of tips on cutting down personal plastic use and Greenwich has improved in a number of areas but more is required. Uh, Two cafes are now disposable coffee cup free and initiatives are still in operation in all outlets. Current year data is waiting but from 2018 to 2019 there was an increase but only still 15% 15% of sales were using reusable coffee cups. So my question is, why do you think plastic-free July is important? And why do you think single-use plastics are such a prominent issue at the moment in terms of media attention and their impact? Okay, yeah. So uh, plastic-free July, um, I think that's really important because it just makes sure that we're opening up the conversation every July about plastic. And it kind of, if that's on trend and if that's what people are talking about, it pushes media to start talking about it and it's then back on the front line um, of sustainability. And yeah, I think it's, it's just important to revisit the conversation. And then like, you know, I, you mentioned I would be sharing tips on my Instagram or I'm reflecting um, on what plastic I'm using. And I think it just gets everybody thinking about it again. Um, I really like what you guys have done at um, Greenwich University as well in relation to the coffee cups. And I think it's amazing that two places have completely got rid of single use coffee cups because 
And there's a lot of greenwashing that goes around with these compostable coffee cups and coffee cup lids. I worked with a caterer once um, when, and I was going around just checking that everything was being followed for this particular project. And they had compostable coffee cup lids and I asked what they were doing with them and it was just oh they're going to the bin but like the general waste it doesn't matter because they break down they're compostable and the messaging isn't clear enough on how all of these cups and lids are processed and actually you'll find that most of these compostable plant-based plastics are literally the same as plastic unless they're treated in a specific industry composting facility and most councils don't even offer that service and actually you'll find that most of these coffee cups that you get from a cafe and they're like oh it's compostable it's fine well it isn't because you're taking that lid away and you're then um you'll probably just be dropping it off in a normal waste bin on the street or you know at your office and is that a compost bin generally speaking it's not so I think it's amazing. I think more cafes should definitely be doing that. If if it becomes the norm that you're that these coffee these cafes aren't offering single use coffee cups, people will just get used to having a coffee cup on them. People are still going to buy coffee. It's not going to stop that. Like if you're a caffeine addict like I am, like I need my coffee. I'm not functioning. I'll have a cup of coffee and a cup of tea before I've even gotten out of bed in the morning. <laughs> it's like caffeine's required I'm not going to stop buying it people aren't going to stop buying it they're just going to have single they're just going to have sorry reusable coffee cups on them so yeah I think I, I honestly think that's amazing an amazing initiative that you guys are doing and I think plastic free July is really important just to open up that conversation again and just make sure that these issues aren't being ignored and it puts the pressure back on the government to kind of respond and say something great and um why do you think it's such a prominent issue why do you think people are focused in in terms of all of climate issues at the moment why do you think people are focused in so much on single-use plastics because it's such a big issue and actually Last year, there was so much more press about this. Like my lovely friends at Keo, who did War on Plastic, and of course there was David Attenborough's series, and it was such a topic then, and it really highlighted how deep the issue is, how we are. We're literally polluting everything. Like we consume, I think I read something like maybe each month, as a human, we're consuming about a credit card's worth of plastic. It's it's everywhere. It's literally in the air that we breathe, these tiny fibres. So um, so it's like plastic is everywhere. That's, that's the problem. We're breathing it and we're breathing in microplastics. We're eating it. Um, a research actually found, uh, I think it was last month, that even in our vegetables and our fruit, um, we're eating microplastics. They're absorbing it through the water in the soil that's getting rained down. Um, there's, we're now at a point where we can't get rid of it, but we have to turn off the tap. We have to stop making it worse. Um, otherwise, I mean, there is no going back, but we're just that's that one credit card is going to become two. It's going to become three. And we don't we have no idea what all these health issues are going to be later on in life. So. 
we just need to start acting. It's, you know, the issue of the air pollution, 8.8 million people die prematurely a year because of it. We're eating plastic, we're breathing plastic. There's all these issues that are being ignored. And it's not even the, it's not just the plastic itself. It's also how the plastic's produced and all the emissions being released and all the oil used. It's all of these things that go into creating just this one product that we then chuck and it ends up getting into our environment. There's, there's nothing really good about single-use plastic. I understand the use of plastic, and if it's recycled plastic, great. Or if you're reusing it, or you know, plastic does have some benefits, and it's the way you use it. But the way that we currently use it, it's not working. And those are really great points. Yeah, I really like found it impressive and inspiring the way you just start off some of your projects and sort of I know it's quite rare and I know some students find it quite difficult when they're finding out where to start in terms of their career direction and making the first steps can be challenging. I know I mentioned that in the previous episode about one of the challenges um, for people my age. Um, There are plenty of volunteer opportunities and if students have ideas to help the sustainability team, um, I know the team would love to hear from them. If any listeners wanted to start an environmentally focused project, based on, say, an issue they see in their local area or an issue they see in a university. Uh, as a student member of staff, what advice would you give? Um, I mean, I reckon the best advice is that I, for me, is just go for it. If you see an issue, if you see a problem, if you're, if you're looking for a project and you've seen this problem and that project doesn't exist, set the project up yourself. Like, don't hold back. The time is now. Issues are only going to get worse. They need addressing. So if you've found something, just do it. Set it up by yourself. And don't, I think with Earthly especially, I took too long trying to find the confidence and making sure that everything was right, spending ages on my website. And actually, I probably could have got going six months before it's so what I learned from that and now what I do with all my other projects is even if you're not that confident just go for it you'll figure it out as you go so don't wait until you've got it mapped and planned and because otherwise you'll also find reasons not to do something and I I think the biggest obstacle always is your mindset so if you want to organize a litter pick or you're trying to raise funds for something so you want to organize an event or a workshop or start a project just go for it and don't even worry so like my first litter pick no one showed up um my first you know event that I've organized barely anybody showed up but my close friends and it's don't take that as a reason to stop don't take that as oh this isn't maybe this isn't an issue maybe I don't need to be doing this because no one came it's just not people just wouldn't have heard about it it's so hard to spread the message and actually let people know um when this was all going on actually my first event and I was a bit like why why did I bother um organizing it oh I'm embarrassed you know no one no one came and my friend said that that body coach guy Joe Wicks um nobody used to come to his training sessions and he used to be standing outside like stations in the morning at 7 a.m. with his board saying, 
you know, training, the park or whatever, and no one would come. And it took him ages to slowly build up a following. But now he's huge and he's changing food habits and helping create healthier and a younger, um, healthier, younger generation. So it's, I think one of them is, is don't, it's maybe have thicker skin, don't hold back, connect with people, put yourself out there. Like, you know, this is how you and I met. And mm. We've done so many things together now and we're, you know, you're connected with My Eco Order and Project Broadway and we're here today. And that's because you and I just joined a group of like minded people and met through that. So it's also, I think, connect with people. And maybe one of the other things is just don't be afraid to look stupid. Just be bold and go out and start whatever it is that you want to start and don't wait for somebody else to do it. If you've got an idea and you've seen this issue and you want to act on it, just act on it. If you make mistakes, you make mistakes. Like you might find that you're lying in bed at night, staring at the ceiling, wondering why the hell you said that and cringing to death. And maybe you'll think about it once or twice after that. But then you won't. You won't remember it. And you'll literally just get used to making these mistakes because that's how we grow. And you'll benefit from those mistakes because you'll learn from them. And if anybody wants advice or um, if anybody wants to chat to me, then they're more than okay to get in contact. Um, you can reach me at my eco order on Instagram or through Earthly Sourced or my email and stuff is all over Instagram and the website. So, yeah, if anybody ever has any queries or wants to get involved in any of my projects or experience or whatever, then, you know, once that gets going again, I'd be more than happy to, I'd love to get more people on board. So. Yeah, we'll include sort of a link to all your socials and stuff. So anybody who likes the sound of your projects can um, sort of follow up. Um, mm. Certainly been yeah really helpful for me to sort of be involved with it. Yeah, um, and I think it's just really nice to have um, more people involved as well. Yeah. So. yeah, definitely. So what opposition, you said, um, yeah, there have been some challenges along the way. What opposition have you dealt with when starting your businesses or projects? And how have you dealt with these challenges? I mean, there's a few, but I think the number one issue is red tape. So especially with the mayor's office, which is just really frustrating. And it's like this whole idea of oh, um, big companies or organisations that won't respond to unsolicited requests which was something new that I'd learned about starting Project Broadway. But the thing is that you can't have an agent for everything. You can't have a connection in every field. You are going to struggle to get on with some people, especially a particular type of person. So I found that my biggest challenges have been trying to break through that and trying to break through this idea of, oh, well, we don't know you or we haven't heard of your organisation or say you don't have an agent this is the project Broadway will be a documentary but I mean that I have connections in but I know that if you didn't my um I wouldn't have been able to get this documentary set up as easily but it's like certain organizations won't respond to you Mm. so that's that's probably one of the most difficult things is like right okay how am I going to challenge you um, how am I going to get your attention? And so with Project Broadway, I'm now at the point 
where once I've got the shop open for my eco order and I have a bit more headspace available for Project Broadway, I'm going to start a petition. Um, and I need to just get as many signatures and, and to prove that Project Broadway is something that the Mayor of London should be paying for. So we were crowdfunding that. Um, I guess another obstacle has been uh, obviously COVID. <laughs> that uh, put a dampener in the works for quite a few things. So, yeah, that's really slowed things down. But that and also meant I pulled the crowdfunding because there's no way that just it wasn't right to continue crowdfunding when we'd gone into lockdown. So that's a, an obstacle in itself. But, yeah, trying to get through to the mayor's office. <laughs> sometimes like banging your head against a brick wall so nice and then that comes back to one of your tips it's sort of just persistence thick skin I'd say that would be the tip I would give yeah just no. you, you can't don't take things personally thanks Charlie uh just my final question um, what one tip would you give students who would like to be more sustainable uh, within their lives? So without making huge changes or with making huge changes, what one tip would you give to students? You know what? I think linking back to my also fun fact, <laughs> um, vegetarian have don't. I guess you could just do the one meal, but um, and and change that. But vegetarian Wednesdays or like vegan Wednesdays or something on every set that I work in for any production we always will have one vegan or vegetarian day where no meat is sold and so that's an easy way like if you want to be vegetarian but you struggle with it or you want to be vegan you struggle with it um, why not just have that one day where you're vegetarian and that will hugely reduce your carbon footprint so I think that's quite an easy one um, nice yeah I know I've done similar things cutting down sort of meat consumption and everything um so thank you Charlie for taking the time to yeah sit and sort of share some of your experiences uh, as I said I'll put your socials and a link to the shop website and Instagram and stuff in yeah. the description for this episode and if the listeners would like to find out more information about the University of Greenwich's sustainability initiatives um, and things they can get involved in that might be similar to Charlie's work uh, please visit www.gre.ac.uk forward slash sustain thanks Charlie oh, thank you <laughs>